Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a, a Giles Peterson special edition um, podcast flavor. GilesPetersonWorldwide dot com, and we are with Mark Mack. Yo, what's up? Giles. <laughs> All right, cool. And you know what? We've never done um, a one on one, have we? We haven't, man. You're not no, really an interview not, kind of bloke, are you? Um, or are you? Funny enough, no. I suppose I'm not really. Otherwise, I would have been here a long time ago. Because, I mean, we've been going back for quite a while, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I really want to mm. go to, really, mm. because I remember, I think we should actually just remember the f- first occasions that we met, which was around the signing of your first album for Talking Lab. But I remember mm. doing a party with you. This kind of came to me recently, a party with you by one of the bridges. Was it mm. near Waterloo Bridge or something? Ah, uh, I think on a, it was it... Do you remember right, the party? Remember. And we played at the yeah. back. We played at the back of this room. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? You're just talking about the the dragon. Yeah, the dragon. The, of course, yeah. The, the dragon. dragon. The dragon. And we had to go underneath <laughs> one of the bridges. I couldn't that's find right, it for right, ages. Yeah. It was a bit like you on Saturday. You couldn't find cargo, could you? Yeah, that, no, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the parking and everything. But, was yeah. that where? We, was that when it was for us? It probably was the first. Yeah. Um, we done we done a couple of nights there. I think we did. Um, that was that was uh, that's going back some time now. That's how we met, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or was because, it because what it was, I think it was you know Digo and Gus was always going to the um, the signing meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, I had a nine to five at the time, so I didn't go to those meetings. Um, I kind of met you after we we done the deal sort of thing, and I think that was at the, at the um the Dragon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what about sort of your history? Because I think musically we've always had a sort of um, connection. Really, I think it's that pirate radio sort of. You, yeah. I, yeah. I just yeah. two step and. That's right. That's right. I mean. Both both myself and Digo started out um, on Pirate Radio. We had a station called Strong Island Radio, yeah, which is a Camden-based station, and um, we used to play a lot of like um, two-step soul. On one hand, on the other hand, it was all the funk, you know, obviously like James Brown and, and that sort of thing. So um, we just grew up collecting those records, both both me and Digo. And I suppose um, there was pockets of people doing that around London. So even though I didn't know you, I knew I always knew of you and the sort of stuff and the stuff that you was playing all the time, sort of thing. Yeah. That's a unique London thing, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot of people don't know about that whole two-step um, blues party sort of thing as well. You know, I mean, we we had the sound system, and you know, some of the things were probably quite illegal because we'd just find an empty house, and and you know, you know, if it was an empty house, we sort of um, <laughs> so we're in a proper empty house, nobody living there. Yeah, well, we'd actually take over for yeah. a night and just set yeah. up the sound system, and yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's why I love it. It's funny because last night we were doing this. Uh, James Brown night at uh, Tribune Night at Plastic People I was telling you about and when I was on my way there I was sorting my records out actually to play there and I suddenly remembered there was one of your friends who's a DJ who used to sell me records he's a massive oh. James Brown fan who's that you know the record dealer he lives around here Finsbury Park area famous that London DJ um, there's loads of people like that. I mean, one of your boys, Des Parks. Des Parks. I remember he played at Bar Rumble once mm-hmm. on, a, on a Monday, and he pulled out all these James Brown and tracks plates, yeah. that nobody yeah, that's had. That's right. He still got them. Huh? Yeah, I was thinking oh, he should be at this party <laughs> last night. Des Parks. He's another. Yeah, le- yeah. He, he, that's what we're yeah. talking about. Isn't yeah. it? They are. They are. They're, they're like the the real sort of um, legends of the of the real legends of the underground. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. You know, obviously, um, Des is one. You know, yourself and. Norman, Norman was doing Norman J back then. Yeah, there was quite a few. And what were you listening to, Pirate Radio? Did you used to listen to Invicta as well back before that? Do you remember Invicta? Or were you more of a That's Kiss probably... Solar Horizon? I can I can LWR. remember those, those were those were like my brother's stations. I can remember sort of my older brother. But I can remember Horizon and uh, no, see Victor that stuff. I think that was probably before. I think later on. Uh, it would have been Kiss. 
would yeah. have been one of the um, yeah. the main ones, I think, back then. But then obviously we had our own pirate station as well, but then. So, uh, You've always done your thing. That's what I love about the Reinforced mm-hmm. Collective. I mean, that was one. Of, I remember when I signed you guys, I'd heard Universal Love. In fact, Paul Martin played me that when okay. I was running at Talking Loud, mm-hmm. working at Talking Loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, he played me Universal Love. I was like, wow, this is so good and everything. And then obviously I, you know, met you and there was that. I remember trying to convince um, Digo to to release it as a single. It <laughs> wasn't up for it, was it? <laughs> I can't remember. We, I'm sure we had the conversation about putting it on the album or something, on the first album. Mm-hmm. But um, but then I remember meeting Digo coming here to Brownswoods, and he played me high tech jazz. Yeah. And yep. somehow there was the high tech jazz mm. coming from you guys, and there was the sort of drum and bass coming from you guys. But there was also mm. that culture of, as you were saying, the two step mm. thing. Mm. Mm. That, yeah, that's right. I know it's totally two worlds apart, but I think um, what happened with the um, the Detroit thing was um, it was actually Kevin Sanderson that uh, hooked up with us originally um, after hearing a lot of the, the, the rave stuff and the jungle stuff. He took us out to Detroit. We hooked up with Mad Mike and, and uh, that crew out there. Mike gave us a load of records at the time. When we got back to London and played them, he realised that you know Mad Mike was sort of like the key person that, of, out there that we loved his sound, you know. I think he's a wicked producer, high tech jazz and um all those EPs, the Galaxy to Galaxy, World to World. You know, I think he's a great producer. But that connection actually um was formed through um Kevin Sanderson when Kevin Sanderson sort of met up with Reinforced back then. I mean what made you work on the sort of collectiveness of Reinforced? Because I remember going down there and it was like going to a youth club. Yeah. yeah. People were just on sort of machines and playing games and <laughs> playing pool and yeah, listening to music it was like it was a dream place yeah. but i'll tell you what it was as well well both my mum and dad worked in a youth, youth centre and my mum was a youth worker in a, in brent in a place called brent in london and uh i've always had that kind of community kind of vibe you know i was always there's a lot of there's kids actually on reinforced records that i looked after when they were like five years old and stuff coming from that whole kind of um play center sort of thing and uh so I always had that kind of mentality about the the, the community centre. When all those community centres were getting closed down around about that early period, reinforced the base in Dollis Hill became a community centre within Wilsdon. So there's a lot of kids that came came through there, not just because of the music, because it was a, like um, a sort of a meeting point as well for a lot, for a lot of the kids and that there. And what happened? That whole kind of that thing that we was doing there in Dollis Hill when we went to Detroit and saw what Mad Mike was doing and in, in their community. Straight away, there was a connection. It was it was like, hang on, we're doing the same thing here that they're doing over there. So there was a the music going on, but there was a community thing going on as well. And I think that was the other sort of thing, the Detroit connection. But that was the... Yeah, that's, the, that's basically the, the roots of, of Dollis Hill. Yeah. Are you proud yeah. of all the people who've come through the, the studios and the engineers and how the sounds have developed? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's something that we strive to do. And, um, like, you know, you talk about engineers and stuff, something like Brad Somatic. Um, who originally started off in um, the Dolly Saw Studios and mm. is now, you know, he works for loads of people in the Broken Beat scene and stuff like that, engineering. But it is, it is something that... Um, it, is, it is like a school down at Dolly Hill. So it's nothing... There's no... Everybody's learning. So people come through Dolly Hill and they learn. We all learn off each other and um, we kind of learn how to develop our skills further. And I think a lot of people can hear that on our records from the early stuff to now, that it's a big learning curve that's still going on. Mm. You know? And we started off the show, shall we call it, today with uh, 
a track that you played on Saturday night at the Worldwide Awards, mm-hmm. which uh, which is the other side of Mark Mack, right? Yeah, yeah. They have the, that's the flip side, the um, beats. Because, you know, coming from that jungle background, love just love you know, the whole beat thing and beat programming and stuff like that. And uh, when I stopped making so much um, drum and bass and jungle, Broken Beat was the... Um, that was the the home for those kind of beats that I was doing. So it just fitted in and then... Always tried to do something different. I mean, with the new stuff, I'm trying to fuse the whole kind of like electro break thing with it. A bit of techno, a bit of... Um, you know, there's always kind of a soulful kind of funk feel to it. Um, but um, that, I think that's my outlet there at the moment. The, the, the sort of um, UK broken beat scene is my outlet for that kind of sound. You know? It feels like you really enjoyed yourself on the decks on Saturday night as well. I always do. I always try to. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's another thing coming back from sound system days. If it looks like the people behind the decks aren't enjoying themselves, then the people in front ain't going to enjoy themselves. So you've got to at least project some of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what we're going to do is play some tracks off the new album. Cool. Congratulations on getting it done independently. This is your first proper serious record since your Talking Loud days. That's right. As for Hero. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you said the word independently because it's been hard to do it that way yeah <laughs> I'll tell you what but I'm glad we got there I'm yeah sure I think now that you've got cool. there you'll probably find that um, you won't need any recouping mm-hmm. you know it'll mm-hmm. come in quicker yeah you'll get the yeah, money hopefully. back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright let's play cool.
So that's a big tune, right? Already. It's a classic. Yeah, I, so. I think yeah. it's a classic. I think it's a classic. Whenever I play yeah. that, people will just jump yeah. in. And it's, yeah. there's not that many tunes like that these days. Yeah. Cream's uh, done a wicked job on that, yeah. 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 Full Hero, we're just saying before we played the song, you know, you have done it independently. And I think in a way, what what Decoy was saying was that some people will... I mean, well, I, I was saying, actually, what you've spent money on it. I mean, mm. this is a proper Full Hero album. Mm. You've got mm. guests, you've got strings. Mm -hmm. But you could have done a Full Hero album in the same way that you did a Game of Chess album mm. in your bedroom for no money and, then, and put Full Hero on it. And mm. that would have been quite a, a good... Financial thing yeah. to do, right? Yeah. Financial way it might might have been good, but I was, like I was saying, I mean, we've got um, we got I think we've got something to live up to with Four Hero. Yeah, and what Talking Loud did for Four Hero in terms of you know allowing us to have that elaborate packaging and 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 the strings, everything you know, we needed to continue that. Yeah, because according to as far as the fans are concerned, or, or the fans or the, the buyers or whoever mm. they are, as far as they're concerned, um, they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They just want to get the product mm. the way how it should be, mm. and um. You know, so that's why we went out, went all out on this one, and tried to do it properly. I mean, even though this is just about to come out, last year you were busy. You had your Visioneers album. What else mm. did you put out last year? You seem to, you know, the, the game yeah, of chess. There's a game and... of chess. Um, right to be civil. Uh, the Visioneer stuff. A few comps and stuff like uh, the Brazilian thing with Joe Davis and stuff like that. Um, it was kind of like it, that last last year was kind of like um, a couple of years before. You know, I spent a lot of time at home with the little one and you know and when he was born and going through hospital and stuff like that so it was kind of like um getting back in the studio and knocking tracks out so i was quite busy last year in the studio yeah. i mean how much time did it take you to do this for hero when did you actually stop the first notes on it the first notes all right it's just, it's a, it's a probably about it's got to be about three years but i mean you know how we work you remember <laughs> i think you're sure you remember like it's you know there's a long one track and there's a long big space and we might do another track in a long big space live with the tunes and live them live with them live with them and then release it to people i don't like the idea of like um doing stuff like this and then you know two months after you know the track everybody else knows it it works on the dance floor like that but with something like this i think um we wanted to live with it first mm. and make sure it's right mm. i mean you know you are you're saying I know how it is with Four Hero because obviously I was there when you released your two albums on the label, mm. but actually you were the least difficult band in the world to A and R because you just delivered your album, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Whereas and and it was always a great album. I mean, maybe we could come in with some ideas to mm. hopefully get it out, you know, to more people. But fundamentally, there was no musical. Um, criticism to ever make mm, on Full mm. Hero I don't think well you had Digo to contend with so <laughs> but again <laughs> no, but, no. but again but again <laughs> but again there was the balance no, wasn't of course, there of course, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and even when it came to the remixes which is another area where the A&R man can have some importance or some mm, impact mm, I think we worked mm. really well in that area because mm. you had your reinforced collective but then we could also bring in people mm. and you were doing remixes for certain people I remember the remix you did for Courtney Pine that was a brilliant oh, yeah, remix yeah. wasn't it and yeah. uh and then you know, and what about the the four hero remix of Black New Eureka Soul? Yeah. I Mate. think that was that was yeah. I think that was the, probably the initial build up for two pages doing those remixes before, and they were like um, early remixes for us. Like you know, you, you were giving us a chance to try out mm. with bands like um, you know New Eureka Soul and Courtney Pine, which were giants to us. So we just tried to do a, you know the best job we could, mm. and uh, 
luckily those things well not luckily because I mean we just tried to put the work in there those things worked out right and helped to um, build a whole anticipation for two pages so um, I think the remix of those early remixes was a, a quite a big part of our um, of our you know like our probably four hero career and uh, um, also if you look through our remix catalogue we do take them very seriously we've done probably like about 80 remixes to date um, and we take them really seriously that's why we, we we release like our own remix albums and stuff like that mm. not waiting for someone else to release them it's it's um a big part of our production you know because technically you're you know you're, you're rearranging and, and rewriting tunes when you remix the way how we remix, we remix tracks we kind of like try to do that so uh, yeah where have I gone there <laughs> uh, no, just inside the full hero concepts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this new album is called Play with the Changes. Mm. Um, there's 15 tracks on it. Not a double CD. I'm not, I'm happy about that actually. That's one of the things we thought about. Yeah. Remember the first album was about 20 something tracks, wasn't it? Yeah. It was deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's actually there's on the um the limited edition. There's an extra track on there, which is this is like the standard edition okay. we're looking at at the moment. There's an extra track on um another track with Karina. Okay. On the on the limited edition and slightly different packaging. Alright. Um just very slightly different packaging, but um that is the, the limited edition one. And you've I'll... come up with another s- subsidiary label, this is Royal Canvas, this right? Is, yeah, that's right. This is our label, yeah. And yeah. it's only gonna be four hero on this label? You know, we originally that's what that the plan is gonna be. But after working with people like um, you know, Face and Karina and um um especially like Karina, we've been talking about doing an album for her mm. and probably you know, raw canvas. If we do well on this one, could be a good home for that, and some of the other artists that we're working with. So that, that might be the um, the next step. Actually, I'm just thinking back to the A and R thing. I think that I did do a bit of A and R on one of them because I'm sure I told you to do Le Fleur. That, that's right. No. But <laughs> <you should laughs> done. It, it was indirect. Yeah. And I think that's twice actually that kind of worked that way. But the Le Fleur, it was like it was in a, it was a. I was reading a magazine where you done an interview in a magazine, and you mentioned um, about Le Fleur. He said this. Um, it's a, it would be a very tricky record to do, but I'd like to hear someone like Four Hero take it on. Right. So I couldn't. Went, I couldn't even tell you went, to your face. <laughs> no, it went ping, and I said, "Okay, right." Then. right it's, it's like just, I got to step up to the plate now. So, you know, Jazz is putting us on the spot on that one. <laughs> Let's play another track off this album. Um, in fact, no. I tell you what. If we're talking about Le Fleur, we should do a sort of cover version on this album. So, um, should we talk about Superwoman? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this is, I mean, talking about Le Fleur, that's like stepping up to the plate. But mm. when I heard there was a version of Superwoman on the Full Hero album, I was like, hmm, interesting. So tell us about how, I mean, how do you get, because you managed to make it sound so authentic, but then you mm. give it a little something yeah, else. Yeah, a little Full Hero twist, yeah, definitely. And I think... Do you absolutely scientifically study everything? and do you, Or do you have someone <laughs> helping you with the arrangements? How does it work? Yeah, um... It is, it is a bit scientific, yeah, scientifically studying, and um, I think on those on these covers, um, which we're thinking on the first album, mm. the Chief Russian cover, mm. Le Fleur on on um, creating patterns, and uh, Steve on this one, uh, Brad, you know, Somatic, the engineer who plays a lot of stuff with us as well, he's quite um, an important part of that. He's he's he because he's like the out of the whole crew, the most sort of musically trained sort of person, classically trained and stuff like that. So. You know, it's it's like if you're going wrong, you know, we've got Brad to rely on on that sort of sense and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, the whole sound of it, um, I started off doing, and, and I studied like um, engineering as well, like um, you know, like uh, studio engineering. 
And uh, I find it more of a challenge to try to recreate a sound from the 60s or the 70s as opposed to just getting a modern sound. I think modern sounds are very easy to get in the studio, obviously, but I like the challenge of trying to, like, let's try and capture the, that those moments that Stevie had in the studio with that drum sound and with, um, mm. um, you know, what did you do with Defender Roads? Let's try and figure out how to get that kind of sound. And um, I, I enjoy that more. It's more of, like, a scientific thing. And then, on top of that, you still got to make sure the song works. So you got to find the right vocalist and stuff like that. So it's a research and... Like the flow, flow was a major research because we couldn't figure out lyrics. Yeah, lyrics and what language they were, they were singing in some of the verses and stuff. So it's, it really turns into a really ex- exciting project when you do covers like that, as opposed to just saying, "Well, I could just do a hip hop version of it," and um, you know, it'll take me maybe you know a few hours to get a hip hop beat right and then get a singer to sing it. I like to go the other way around and uh, try to like um, recreate what was happening back then. Mm. Are you still recording at Dollis Hill? We've got a place called Dollis Hill version 2. So we had to build a new studio. In between the last album and this one, we built a new studio. And uh, that studio is out in, uh, in Bedford, in the, in the little cottage up there. So it's a different situation. Different, different, different situation. And have you, got, have you got all the equipment as well? Because mm. I know that Jazz and Over, they spent, they had a bit of a um, tragedy in the sense that they had all this amazing um, old gear that mm. got stolen. All right, all right. And they were collecting all this, but actually they said that they got the insurance on it, and they got all this new gear, which was actually okay. better. They said right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so they did well out of it. <laughs> but have you got? Do you collect? You know, you're talking about scientifically doing it. Yeah. You must have the the, the, the gear to. to we always just like we've collected records, we've collected synthesizers and stuff like that. Right. And um, over trips over to America and stuff, and and having to like um, import synthesizers in, like when we found like the, the Arp Selena and stuff like that, and the Moogs and. Uh, uh, poly moogs and things like that. Just like we collect records, we do collect synthesizers. A lot of that goes comes down to like people like um, Herbie Hancock um, and what he was doing, and it was just like a, and uh, Leroy Hudson, people like that. What they the sort of sound that they had on their records, mm. we always like sort of love. What's that string sound? Mm. Selena, what's that? Arp. Let's look into Arp and find out what kind of electronic Arp has got. Arp has got and sort of collect that sort of stuff. So um, I suppose that's. Um, where that side of the sound comes comes from as well. Letting out all the secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's play Superwoman before we give too many out. Cool. Mary wants to be a superwoman But is that really in her head? to be another movie star but it's not really in her mind but all the things she wants to be she needs to leave behind but very well I believe I know you very well wish that you knew me too to be a 
summer came, you were not around, now the summer's gone, love cannot be found, where were you when I needed you last winter, my love, when the winter came, you went farther south, parting from love's nest, leaving me in doubt.
Yeah, we're talking uh, Minnie Rupertson getting her head nearly chopped off by a lion on YouTube. <laughs> and we wish, what was that? That was for Adventures in Wonderland, wasn't That's it? That's right, Adventures in Paradise. Adventures in Paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Are you a YouTube boy then? Do you check that stuff out? Recently I have been, yeah, definitely. There's a whole there's a whole internet thing that we've had to get into um, when we started to promote this record. You know, there's a whole... Um, you, you know, there's, now there's a whole world of promotion that you've got to do on the net. Yeah. So we have to set up our YouTube channel, our MySpace page, the uh, podcasting, and, you know, there's just, there's so much now that you can do on the net. So, um, yeah, through that I started to get into um, watching all the other stuff on YouTube and you can spend hours on there finding all these rare bits of footage. Yeah. But I, I kind of, strangely enough, associate you as full hero as being technologically advanced mm. because I just remember seeing all these boys playing PlayStation in your studio and I didn't have one and I thought, mm. oh God, these are really ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you, I mean, are you sort no, of super laptopped up and have you got everything or are you quite... Um... i tell you what it is, it's the community side of it. No, well not really, just only recently we've been getting into the whole community side of it but when it comes to techno, yeah, definitely. The whole sort of... Um, <clears throat> there's every, every console that came out, I think we had it first at, at, um, at Dollis Hill. I mean, seriously, we had the first export that came to the country. We had it at Dollar Hill. We Wait, had... weren't they? You were like, what DJs get sent records? You were being sent computer yeah, we were being games, sent right? Computer games to test it out to see how it's going on, <laughs> and we were, you know, um, having winning all the competitions and stuff. You know, if anyone wanted to battle us on PlayStation with um, Tekken, I think it was Tekken at the time, Tekken Two. You know, reinforcers on top, and um, that still stands today. If anyone wants to step up, <laughs> <laughs> and who's your number one player? No, there was, there was quite a few. Digo was, was definitely on point, and he had like people like Stretch and T Bone, um, MG. MG's very good when it comes to like the strategy games and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah, we had quite a squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Superwoman, um, Stevie Wonder, and you were telling me the singer hasn't got a deal or nothing. No, that's right. It's just um, a, a kid that was introduced to me. Um, it was actually by 
Tico's uncle introduced him to us, to us. Um, unsigned, got a really nice voice, and then um, we kind of threw him in the deep end with the Stevie cover, <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, he's going to go for it, and then I think he's done a really good job of it. Is your Stevie Wonder collection something that you dip into yourself sometimes? Have you got Stevie, a favourite Stevie Wonder album? Favourite Stevie Wonder album is um, it's definitely In The Visions. I mean, it sounds obvious like <laughs> In The Visions, but songs are, songs are kid like, well, see, once you get started. And yeah. But I always do. I mean, it's like, it's like that's, Stevie changed, chases the blues away from me every time. If I'm really, like, down on one, then it's definitely got to be a Stevie record that brings me back. I think Stevie and possibly um, Terry Kelly are the two sort of bring you back sort of people. For right. Yeah. Do you yeah. listen to old records? Do you listen to records? Do you have time? Do you have time yeah. to sort of be at home and just put on a record and put your headphones on and just mm. listen to it from beginning to end? For it's, pleasure. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but I think that I have to because that's all That's all what we're about, really, is that record collection that we got. And um, so, if you don't make time for um, dipping into that, yeah. then what is the point of us collecting those records over all those years? Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's stuff that you get where you sample breaks and there's things, but then there's always um, your library that you pull out mm. depending on your mood. And mm. that's what I love about having the collection as well. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why I always go back to Wayne Shaw to speak no evil right. as a jazz record yeah, somehow, yeah, more yeah. so than even a John Coltrane or a Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. touches me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is those records. I've got to work yeah. out which ones mine are, but those records that you just suddenly go towards when you need it yeah definitely and, and funny when you saying that as well because it, probably, it reminds me as well about um, you know Alice Coltrane as well passing away because she was another one that uh, that whole kind of um, spiritual vibe that she had on her records that I just loved that mm. loved that sound you know and um so you nearly had her. I remember that was one of the things that we were really yeah, trying. We tried, we tried, I was yeah. emailing away to try and get Alice Coltrane to guest on a full hero. Yeah. Never yeah, happened. Yeah, it was two pages album. Um, the tracks, you know, the two tracks was going to be um, Planetaria was one of them and Golden Age of Life. Those are the two tracks that we wanted oh, her to, um, yeah. to participate on and it would have been wicked. Um, but she definitely influenced those tracks and tracks like Conceptions on, um, on Creating Patterns. That's mm. down to Alice Coltrane. Mm. Well, Mm. No, I mean, I just had to do a... Well, I say I had to. I did it with pleasure, a mix of Alice Coltrane okay. for the radio. Okay. And quite difficult, actually, to do mm. 45 minutes of Alice Coltrane and make it interesting, because mm -hmm. it's... Mm. it's mm. But... You've got I, to cut, man, because there's 14-minute tracks. Yeah, they're long. They're long. <laughs> yeah, but the album that really got me um, listening back to it was Lord of Lords. Yeah. Listening yeah. back to a lot of her albums, but Lord of Lords is spectacular. That's, right. See, that's the thing as well, the other techniques when you listening to that, because I just remember when you say that, I remember, I think it was the double tracking with the flutes. And I think it was bass flutes and stuff like that. And um, the recording techniques that was going on, there might have been like some stereo flutes and things like that. But those things are like not just not just the actual composition, but the way they're recorded. Mm. That's what I loved about those mm. records. Mm. I was I was talking to, uh, God, I can't remember now, but I remember someone was telling me about the album that um, Pharaoh Sanders recorded, the album Thembi. And on that album, if you listen back to it, it does sound mm. like a different kind of jazz record because mm. apparently the producer, whose name escapes me, mm was a very well-known rock producer. He did okay. the Eagles and, right, and right, groups right, like right. that, and <laughs> they got him in to produce Pharaoh yeah, Sanders, yeah, okay. and the microphone mm. setup is all different. Yeah. So yeah, if this is that album yeah, again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so keeping it with the, the old school and stuff, one of the people that was um, quite magical to me for me last year, um, Iconic, was um, 
when Larry Mazel came to town, mm. uh, he obviously produced with Fonts so many amazing records. Mm. And uh, while he was doing some stuff at the radio for me, he was recording. I mean, the reason he was in the UK was because you got in touch with him, right, to do a track mm -hmm. on the album. Mm -hmm. How did mm. you find him and how was it working with such a legend? Yeah, that, that, to be honest, I didn't even meet him when he came over. There was a lot going on at the time at home. But that, that was um, Digo went out to the States and um, he called me and said... Um, Mark, you know, we could actually get um, Larry to be on the album. And I was like, what? Just do it. Whatever you got to do, make it happen. So right. he goes, right, OK, I'm on the case. And then um, he said he went round to um, Larry's house, played him some of the, the Four Hero stuff we've done in the past, and, that, and Larry was down. He said, yeah, I like this. We can do something. Larry wrote the song, and uh, originally he wrote the song and sent over the music um, for us to um, continue the production over here. And uh, I think we had... Um, like uh, some of the, the guys, down, Kaidi some of the, and uh, Matt got involved as well on the production and uh, with, with Digo. So, um, but, I mean, that's how it came about. I think Digo, Digo said he was, he was sitting, sitting in the hotel watching, um, I think it was the World Cup was on or something, he was watching the football <laughs> game and then uh, the phone rings and uh, one of his friends put, patched him through and said, uh, it's Larry on the phone. He goes, Larry who? He goes, Larry Mazar. He goes, yeah, right, OK. It was a wind-up. So put the phone down. The phone rang again. Goes, Larry's on the phone. <laughs> Larry Mazar on the phone and says, um, yeah, let's um, meet up and do this thing. And I think the result is um, is wicked because uh, you've got Larry, you know, Larry, you can just hear Larry's, like, trademarks in there right up to the actual the vocal sort of thing he's doing, the vocal arrangement. But then you got the flip, the sort of new-school flip on the end where, where um, you know, it gets into the kind of, like, a... Uh, the hip-hop kind of broken beat thing kind of on the end of the record. And so I think the two, it shows kind of where the old school meets the new school, and I think it's a wicked record in that sense.
Terrific song. Mm, definitely. T- yeah. Terrific tune. Mark Mack, decoy in the area, mm-hmm. Browns Woods, and uh, just talking a bit about um, some of the groups actually around at the moment. The fact that Bugs in the Attic released an album last year. It's been difficult. It's difficult out there um, because it feels to me like, particularly in the UK, the emphasis in the media and in the music press whether we like it or whether we choose to ignore it or not it has come to support our music at times in waves and at the moment the wave isn't particularly in our direction is Mm, it that's right yeah but that doesn't really matter yeah Yeah. no we still do we still got to do what we got to do Mm. and um 
you know, we do what we've got to do and build on it. That's what we've got to do. And, there's a, and, and the thing as well, do you feel from the communication and the reactions you've been getting on the album so far that your fans, shall we call them, are very much around the world? It's not just in the UK, mm. right? I mean, do you get... No, yeah, it is. It, is, it has been for a while. <clears throat> Sorry, because we do a lot of the travelling as well, DJ-wise DJ and stuff as well. Uh, we built up quite a good following on that side, Japan and over that sort of area, mm. through the Talking Loud days mm. and Mercury. Um, we're getting a record released in the States now. It's coming out on a record label called Milan Records oh, yeah. in, in the States, and, and we've never had a domestic release in the USA. So that's like another step forward for us. And then we'll release it in Hong Kong as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a... It's You're a, releasing it just in Hong Kong? Yeah. I've never heard of a Hong Kong release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taiwan. Yeah. 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 We're trying to get to those little <laughs> corners of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get a Hong Kong yeah. release, yeah. mate. Yeah. I want a, I want the Hong Kong issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, back, back to the whole kind of like um, UK thing and the album. I mean, um, UK is hard now. It is, it is kind of more like, you know, sort of like guitar-oriented guitar bands and stuff like that on mm. the front covers. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. And then you've got the hard sort of house sort of side of it as well. So where do we fit in? Um, but the response has been really good. I mean, we're getting like five stars in like your, your Mix Mag and DJ Magazine and stuff mm. like that. Things mm. that, you know, we, we couldn't do before. So... Um, I got big up mixed mag actually because mm. it's been through. I've mm. you know I've been a bit pointing sort of accusations at them at times mm. in the past, but I've mm. read it that I, they've always kind of retained an element. Yeah. There's some people who work in that office who like good music, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there must be. There's got to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's always a good review <laughs> somewhere. There's always they've always kept it. In fact, since I did a mix for them a couple of years ago, I remember mm. at the time mm. thinking, well, what am you I might doing? Put them straight with you. Yeah. No, 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 because they were doing, but they had like <laughs> Timo Mars and they had like you know Sven Vath and then they asked me, but I didn't. <laughs> It was cool. Um, so, what I was going to say to you, actually, um, I'm kind of forgetting my my. Oh yeah, I'm f live. I mean, that's it, isn't it? You need mm. to go out live and. Yeah, I mean, the, recording the album independently is difficult. Doing the whole thing live, impossible, however, <laughs> almost impossible. <laughs> Especially, I mean, go back to how it was done before. You know, you can only build on what you've done in the past. So I don't want to scale it down. But we was had like twenty people on stage at one point when we were doing one show and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I wonder, that's the YouTube one, by the way. Yeah, I don't it's, know if yeah you've seen, seen those. Yeah, like, cool, Four yeah. Hero Live in Montreux <laughs> on YouTube. Check yeah, that one yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I think that was our first gig. I think second gig because you did yeah. that one in London yeah, in the Bloomsbury um, Theatre. Bloomsbury yeah, Theatre yeah. was it? Bloomsbury Theatre. Yeah, that was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant night. Special. Yeah. Unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the days before proper camera crews because we could really have that would have been good to do. Yeah, wouldn't it? definitely. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a Japanese crew that recorded something. So mm. if they're there somewhere, and Japanese YouTube. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Send that the <laughs> Bloomsbury Fair one. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if we ca if we carried on with the gigs longer, I think we probably would have really nailed it down. Mm. But it was quite expensive to do with the with the um with the amount of people we had. But this time round, to try to recreate some of the stuff on here, like. You know, you want to recreate Morning Child and things like that, and mm. Sophia, that kind of bigger string sound, and um, it's going to take the same amount of people or more. Mm. And we're debating how we're going to go about it, but at the moment, the kind of um, the feeling is they don't really want to go backwards in that sense until we go forward. So we might get the big one done, get it sorted out, and make sure it works, and then maybe scale it down so that we can do it in more places after. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's great if you can be. I think especially now you've got so much material mm. that to go out, you know, even if it isn't particularly expansive in terms of musicians, I think mm. that people will remember the songs. The songs, yeah. And because yeah. of your uh, abilities as producers to almost remix, I don't think people would be particularly yeah. disappointed okay. if it wasn't quite the. I mean, yeah, to do a show with the full, you know, string section will mm. be, you know, mm. magic. Mm. But I can imagine that's going to be a massive investment. Mm. You know, that, those things don't come easy, do they? Mm. I mean, no, they don't, you, no, you can't no, get a sort of, you know, sort of no. 20 piece string section to play for free. No, no. But maybe you can. I mean, maybe no. speak to the Heritage Orchestra. Yeah, you know. <laughs> 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 the Orchestra. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you as well one of the questions that I think people will um, wonder a little bit is where the situation and how it works between you and Digo on this mm. album. Mm. In the past, I felt that, and I've probably been wrong in this um, conclusion, but I've always felt that the more um, electronic tracks were Digo and the more sort of uh, acoustic tracks were you. Mm. But maybe that's wrong. Um, it's, I suppose it's, it's kind of right if you go through, if you look through the track listing on some of the albums. But knowing sort of Digo, you know, as I do, sort of as a person, it, it's, it's kind of surprising sometimes because he is very um you know musically orientated that mm. way as well mm. but i think he he likes to experiment more on records i suppose in terms of like the bringing the electronic sound in but i think that's what makes for here what it is um you couldn't really have an album uh, if it was just for a for here album if it was just going to be just you know that kind of like just full on that kind of organic sound you need both of them i think um we both take we both play a part in in, in both sides of it but i think more Recently, uh, probably from, from creating patterns, I've kind of stuck to that kind of um, try to have a kind of a trademark sound mm. before here, and mm. I've tried to just keep building on that sort of thing when it comes to like the string and the organics. And I've um, brought back people like Andy Hamill on this album because I think he's you know he's quite an important part of that since um, Loveless, you know, and, and this, <sighs> yeah. yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> what a tune! Yeah, and, and Loveless is you know that's one of, that's 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 a Digo classic. That's a Digo sound. We were working together in those days, but it's, it's you know that's the Digo chords and the, the Digo arrangement there as well. So I always remember being oh. in a club with Digo and him playing his just. It wasn't a techno club or whatever. I mean, it, I think people wanted him to play drum and bass, and he just ended up playing Detroit, and then so that freaked them all out at the time in like nineteen ninety whatever, and and then at the end of it, he played Richard Evans' Capricorn Rising. Right. It was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's play this track now. This is um, a track which has really grown on me since um, I got the album. Um, tell me about Given. Given, yeah, Given. We hooked up with um, uh, Fonte from Little Brother. They were really down what they were doing as a hip hop group. And uh, they came to a Jazz Cafe. Uh, we met up with uh, Benny B. Benny B introduced us to Fonte. And uh, while speaking to Fonte, it was kind of funny because he started reeling off all like, the old rivet numbers. Like reinforced records, yeah, rivet, blah blah blah. When he done the track with this and that, and then the two pages, yeah, with you know he knew like Andy Hamill and Luke Parkhouse on the drums and stuff, and I was like, hey, okay, right, and I've come here because I'm a fan of what you're doing, but you know exactly what we've been doing. All so what? Well, hang on, rivet numbers. He knew the catalog numbers. Or yeah, the... yeah. He was on. He's like on Did the case. He said someone you know back in the day when he was at college introduced him to reinforce and four hero, and since then he hasn't looked back. So I said, you know, there's definitely, you know, that's the connection there straight away. So he said, look, his his word was, look, let's make some history. I goes, okay, let's do something. And um, I done the track, the backing track, sent it over to him. I sent him three tracks, and he chose that one, which um, 
that track was more of a ballad. I thought it was going to go for something a bit more, you know, more um, up-tempo or something, but he went for that one. And uh, Darren Brockington was a vocalist that worked with him on the track, so him and Darren, you know, did, did, did the lyrics. They, was gonna, they were trying to get another singer on it. I can't remember <laughs> at the moment, but it, it really just turned out really well. I mean, yeah. it's like it is, it, that, that track on the album, I think, is the biggest grower because everybody gets it and they kind of almost overlook it at first but then it kind of hits back. It's taking us back to the yeah. beginning of the interview. This is two-step. That's right. It's that two-step soul thing. <laughs> Destination gets farther. I wish that I could take away your problems with a drop of a dime and say it's all good, but it's not. Your dreams get undermined, accounts get overdrawn. No matter the case, girl, I'm waiting with open arms. My word is wrong.
That's a grower. I mean, well, from the moment I heard it, I can't get enough of that. And it has got the four hero sound. Mm. You've got a sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so try to get it, whatever it is, if it's going to be a hip-hop beat, a drum-based beat, whatever it is, try to have that four hero sound of it. And um, that's, that's, what, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to do, you know, trying to have um, a sound. Because, you know, when you click, click records and you, know, you, you pick up artists, you know, they've got a sound. And that's what we're trying to mm. achieve, that kind of thing there, you know, which is harder these days with all the um, electronics and the, um, you know, the digital equipment. It's harder to have your own sound, you know, so um, that's what we're trying to do. Mm. OK, so Facts and Figures, the album is going to be available on what date? It's available on the, the 29th of um, January. OK. It's a couple of weeks away now. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be singles off it? Yeah, the first, first single is Morning Child. Mm-hmm. Um the states are going with um, "Morning Child" and "Take My Time" at the, at the moment. Um, I think "Take My Time" is the one for them out there at the moment. But we'll see how it goes. See if um, if all goes well with the um, the album, then there'll be like a couple of singles or, or remixes. Or remixes. Actually, we got um, the first remix that's coming. That's from Shy FX, a drum and bass remix. Have to try to still stick with some of the drum and bass roots, and um, mm. Shy is always on point when it comes to remixing. So I remember you, you playing that record actually at um, at the Bugs Night or one night a co-op or something at Cargo. You played mm. the Lovers Rock track. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Did you loop that at the front? You looped well, it because I bought it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So you're a bit of a yeah. Shy FX fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, always. I still, you know, it's like the key players in drum and bass, like Shy FX, Fotek, and the key players, Ronnie. They just yeah. once they, they've got it, they've got it, and, mm. and they, you know, I think mm. they can still do it. Yeah. So, and hopefully there'll be some live shows. We'll let you know about that. I think mm. we're going to organise a session at the BBC. Definitely a Maiden mm. Bell one. Mm-hmm. Try and get a big orchestra on that one. And uh, I really want you to play at the um, festival in south of France this summer at Montpellier Set Worldwide Festival. I think we've got to make that happen because mm-hmm. it was really good fun last year. With uh, Well, last year we had Soil and Pimp sessions and and uh, Bugs and uh, Jazz and Over. But I'm really delighted that you've got the record i think it's very important at the moment at a time when the wave isn't quite with us in certain places that the music that's coming out is strong complete and positive and uh and and moving forwards so congratulations for that mark thanks, thanks a lot for coming in man nice one Jazz. and thanks cool. for your little twisted funk bits yeah yeah good enjoy uh, those yeah. Yeah. yeah and this uh we're going to finish off with a little special that um you played on saturday night mm. once again you smashed it um, at Cargo and I've never seen Cargo like that actually I haven't it I've done vibrant. it many times it was, it was, it was proper vibe yeah it's banging in there yeah, yeah. alright thanks man take care cool
Everything 